0: Hello and welcome to Real Men Feel. This is your host, author, coach, and healer, Andy Grant. Please visit theandygrant.com to learn more about moi. Real Men Feel exists to have conversations that most men aren't having, but that all men can benefit from. We remind men that they are human and have the right to experience and express all of their emotions. My returning guest today is Dr. Abram Weiss. Dr. Weiss is a psychotherapist, an award-winning author, speaker, and teacher, his decade-long work on understanding the internal lives of men culminated with his recently published bestseller, Hidden in Plain Sight, How Men's Fears of Women Shape Their Intimate Relationships. Dr. Weiss is a regular contributor to the Psychology Today website and offers workshops nationally about psychotherapy with men and helping men and women understand each other. He practices psychotherapy online from an island in midcoast of Maine where he lives with his wife and dog. Welcome to the show again, Avram thank you it's good to be back i have to comment on your introduction the think of
1: the world we live in where you have to make a declarative statement that men are human beings and entitled to whatever they feel yeah it's extraordinary that we have
0: to say that yeah well i, I what do i want to say it's it i don't feel like i have to say it i feel like it's an invitation to just remind people cuz men have been taught that they aren't
1: I know oh, that so, yeah, say it that way, but that that we that that's not taken for granted, yeah, that right. that, that needs to be said is sort of stunning,
0: yeah, yeah. It's sad. yeah, it's it's a, yeah. eh, I guess it is sad, but without well, it, what would I say? No, so no, that's I, not,
1: <laughs> I, I understand Jesus. why you're saying it. It just yeah. as I heard it, I was like, wow, we need to say that, yeah, yep. you know, it's like walking into some place and they say, um, you know, we no violence allowed here, like, really, we need to say that, like. <laughs>
0: Okay. Yeah. So you were first on a couple of months ago. Yeah. And and you were very eager to return to Real Men Feel and talk about sex. Yes. So so Isn't. what what's what's the urgency? What what's what's up with <laughs> men and sex these days? Well, I, I think there's some really interesting stuff
1: going on. So just on a on a surface level, um, I'm seeing a lot of men with low sexual desire and that is part of what actually sort of got me on the path of writing about men's fears of women because as i started looking into it it's not it's it's completely contextual it's completely relationship dependent so it's not that men are not feeling sexual it's that they're feeling um, inhibited or suppressed in their sexuality with their
0: partners they're feeling afraid and so go ahead so, so it's not just I have a low desire for sex. And it's not just I have a low desire for for sex with my current partner. Yeah, it's because there's a reason behind it. Absolutely. So
1: they're, you know, they're online looking at other women and they're walking down the street turned on. It's not that something's broken. It's that something is disconnected in the couple. And um, Esther Perel, who's a well-known sex therapist, has started to write about men and sexuality. And one of the things she's writing about from a woman's perspective is how women often feel that men are not expressing desire with them but rather asking for permission or validation. And so I'm getting increasingly interested in how much sex for men is often a form of reassurance and validation and can be almost to varying degrees
0: but sometimes completely divorced from their own pleasure. Yeah, that, that makes me think of like one of the oldest sitcom tropes is you know the the men begging for sex and the women that just say no and I have a headache and all these just just bad old jokes going back to like right. Lucille Ball and stuff. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So it's one men pleading. It's not a, it's yeah. not about desire. It's not about passion. It's not about pleasure. It's a chore. It seems. Yeah. One of the
1: things that that we could you know the paths into this is to ask ourselves the question why are men so preoccupied with women's orgasms? So women report to us. That men are almost desperately preoccupied with knowing whether or not their partner climax. Now, it could be that we're just really nice and considerate. But I don't think that explains the whole thing because the women report that it has a sense of urgency, so much so that they report that it's sometimes intrusive and that they will fake an orgasm to, to shut us up, in other words, essentially. You know, that's like, all right, all right, all right, already.
0: Yes, it was fine. Yeah, that's, so, a, that's always struck me as it's a, it's a sense of, of competition. Did, did I win sex? did everybody, did everybody come? Oh good. I, I win. Right? Yeah, I, I think competition and validation that
1: if that if my I think we teach men that their job as a man is to please their partner. and so sex becomes sort of like the final exam. Mm-hmm. You know, sex becomes the checkup, whether about your masculinity.
0: I remember reading a book, so I've I'm, i I'm been married 25 years, and I can't remember if this was a book as a gift, early. So uh, 20 or 25 years ago, I, I read something, and it talked about sexual desire and in relationships, and it was always that the, the person with the lowest sexual desire would, would drive the sexual relationship. Although it may seem the other way around, I think you're okay. right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. And most people, or again, based on... Popular culture, it would seem, it's always kind of assuming the woman has the right. the lowest sex drive, but you're you're hearing that that's that's just simply not the case. I, I don't think
1: that's the, that may be that may be true of twenty year old women and thirty year old women, but that is definitely not true of middle aged and older women. Because, and I think it only looks true of younger women because they're still afraid. They're still they're still they have all these messages about. If they're sexual, it means they're a slut and, you know, loose and all that. Then around middle age, women often get over that and sort of reclaim their sexuality, which they've been not really embracing their whole lives. And they can be really powerful sexually, while men, unfortunately, are often sort of shrinking. That was a poor choice of words, um, sexually, uh, although actually it was a good choice of words. And um, what... What's problem? Well, there are a lot of things that are problematic, but the obvious thing that's problematic is that I don't think men are, are experiencing a whole lot of pleasure in sex. I think they're they're experiencing a lot of anxiety and insecurity um, and the urgency, what women mistake for libido, I think is more insecurity and the need for reassurance. Mm. But the, the other less obvious part of it is that if you go to the grocery store and you pull one of the women's romantic novels off the shelf that genre is known uh, in the book world as bodice rippers and it is full of stories of women women's erotica is full of stories of women being taken by men and the men in those stories are decisive they're not they're not raping the women but they're they're assertive and decisive and in charge. And so here you have men afraid to put their own pleasure out there and women wanting more than anything for men to put their pleasure and their needs out there. And so they often don't meet.
0: Hmm. And I can see that this clash and what there's so much with the, me too movement and and no means no like i see guys oh i'm not i'm not allowed to be forceful I, if decisive i'll be accused of something or is, you know are you seeing that is that i a, think that's absolutely true
1: but i want to be clear that what i'm talking about precedes all that hmm. so that just made it worse and we think now that that's the cause but men have been afraid of women for as long as there've been men and women i did an interview on an orthodox podcast and the guy made a really interesting point he started to get it about men's fears and he said you know um he said it's making me think about the garden the at the garden of eden and adam and eve he said you know we we focus a lot on why eve ate the apple but then what if you think about why did adam eat the apple when eve told him to adam knew that they'd be thrown out of the garden and he said maybe Adam was more afraid of Eve than he was of God.
0: I said that the last time you were here. Oh, it was you. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to repeat it. I, I, I I'm the I'm the Orthodox podcast now. Well, oh, you, you should have cut me, me off. <laughs> I wanted to hear. Well, I, 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 heard have, I
1: have repeated that story many times. I really, it really hit home with me because you know, of course, if you're if you're very religious, you think God wrote the Bible, but I think people wrote the Bible. So it's interesting as you look through history of these stories of men brought down by their inability to reduce to to resist the seduction of a woman. So Samson, Ulysses, Adam, Hercules, you know, all of these, you know, Ulysses to this the uh, t- the um sirens It's story after story, and all these cultures have images of, in Spanish, they call it vagina dentata, which means vagina with teeth. And many, many cultures have an icon of a vagina with teeth. Now, what's the message in that? Well, uh, sex with a woman, intimacy with a woman risks emasculation in a very literal way.
0: So it's amazing that if it if it goes back that far yeah is is it just how it is like what what can we do about
1: it if it's that ingrained i think it's that's how it is as long as we're all brought up in a patriarchal culture um because men are most people it is beginning to change somewhat but i don't know how much it really changes yet most people as babies are their first and really only intimate relationship is with a woman. It's either their mother or a caregiver, it's most likely to be a woman. And so all our eggs are in one basket. And so we become highly attuned. So as, a, as an infant, survival depends, In human infants have no ability, we can't even feed ourselves. So we're highly attuned to our caregivers because our lives depend on them liking us enough to take care of us. And so we begin life highly sensitized to any indication that we have misstep with them. And we carry it right through. And you look at the literature on when couples argue, they hook them up to physiological measures. And interestingly, men get more distressed during relationship conflict and it takes them longer to come back to baseline.
0: Is it all in the physiology and not expressed? Like, do men cover up that this distress, or yes. is it obvious? Yeah. Yeah. Covered. The physiology. The reason they measure measure physiologically
1: is the body don't lie. Right. So yeah, no, that it's absolutely, and, you know. And so if you say to women, "Do you know that your partner is really even more upset than you are when you argue?" They would be like, "No way. He could care less. He doesn't need me at all. It's completely hidden from women. They have no idea."
0: So how does one help a man get, get over this this sense of competition, this, this sense of inadequacy, this, this sense of trying to prove something uh, via sex? Well, I, th-
1: I think this is where things like your show come in, because I think it really is men learning how to talk with other men, because I think it is intimidating for men to start out talking to women. Um, And it is much easier for men to start out talking about themselves with other men. And so there are a variety of ways that can happen that can happen through a show like this, that can happen in a, a book group, that can happen in a lot of different ways. And one of the things I did in the book, which I'm really happy with, is there's a chapter for men about how to find other men who might like to talk with them about this stuff and how to get together and form a group of guys who want, because every man says to me, I'm interested in having closer relationship with other guys, but none of them are. I'm like, well, th- now that's not mathematically possible. you <laughs> right, that, that doesn't make any sense. And so um, I think it's just that they don't know, they all are afraid to reach out. I just had this conversation with somebody yesterday and they said, well, how do I do that? I said, it's easy. All you have to do is take any situation that you normally respond on this level and just drop it down one level. Just, just be slightly more personal or ask a question that's slightly more personal. And you will very quickly find out whether that person, and I think you'll be positively surprised. Right. I think you will find that most men are dying to talk
0: to other men. Yeah. And I think that's the success of your show. I think that's why. Yeah, and any group of men I've ever been in, it, it just takes that first man to be yeah. vulnerable, authentic, share yep. a problem, ask a question. And then, and then the competitive sense almost kicks in and, yeah. well, I want to share more. And no, no, here I, my, here's my worst case here. No, no, no. I'm in much better shape. Here's my story. Um, So that's the, when our, the male yeah. competitive idea can, can really help each other. And that might be one of the power of men's groups. The therapy
1: groups that I do for men are the only groups I have in which people openly talk with each other about loving each other. Mm-hmm. That does not happen in mixed groups. And in groups of men, which you think never in a million
0: years would that happen, it's routine. To to get men and women to better understand each other, it sounds like the the first step is get together with men. Let let I think so. First, understand each other with men, and it's then counterintuitive. You, but I think it works better
1: that way because hmm. I keep seeing it again and again and again. I see guys in men's groups learning how to talk about themselves with the help of other men, and then they're bringing it back to their relationships. And I hear the feedback from the wives, you know, just the other night, some, you know, guy reports his wife said, God, you're so much more open since you've been in group. So the wives love it, you know, they're thrilled. It's what, it's what, you know, it's the door that they've been knocking on for as long as they've been together. Are men consciously
0: afraid of something related to to sex itself or is it is it more hidden to them? I think they're afraid of appearing inadequate,
1: Uh, both both the obvious, you know, not being it's 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 fascinating by the language. When a man has sexual difficulties, what words do we use to describe it? Yeah, we say he can't perform. What is it, the circus? You know, but the language tells us everything. And that's how men are taught to think about it. It's not that they couldn't enjoy themselves or couldn't give their partner pleasure it's that they couldn't perform which i think tells you everything you need to know of how and i
0: think you know certainly when i was growing up in teens and 20s sex is performance yeah. and it, it is the circus you yes know, how, how many times did you put on a show today you know right. exactly. <laughs> what, you know who, who did you conquer you know but, how quickly did they come yeah, it's just, it's not about oh did you fall in love this weekend it's it's not how intimate were you it, it's it's all performance I think about the loneliness in that position
1: you know, it's just an incredibly alone experience to be thinking about sex as performance. And and the irony and the sad part is, you know, there's what you want lying right next to you. It's not, you don't even have to go find it. It's right there. And and probably someone who's interested in connecting with you. And so to be alone, you know, it's like starving at, at a at a smorgasbord. You know, it's like there's food everywhere and you're starving yourself.
0: Oh, I gotta get up and do something about it to, to eat. Like oh. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, you you don't it's actually you could you could say you have to do something about it, or you could say you just have to stop stopping it. You know, mm. it's like you just have to stop trying so hard to prevent it from happening, might be enough to just allow it to happen.
0: So w- one thing I've as almost as long as I've talked to other guys, no matter what age I have been at a common complaint or uh, an issue when dealing with women or complaint around, around sex is that is monogamy, you know, yeah. I can't be faithful. And, and so is, is monogamy an artificial creation of our society, or is there some, some, some truth to it? Like, are we forcing something? What, what do you think about that? That's a, that's a really interesting question. It does not,
1: it does appear that most species are monogamous. Um, I think that polyamory is incredibly interesting. And I admire the courage of people who want to kind of push the boundaries and try that. I have to say in my limited experience um, that the layers of complexity are so overwhelming that I'm not sure how how it adds up as being worthwhile because there are so many complexities of feelings and so much negotiation around that. And so I think mostly when men object to monogamy, it's not that they're so much concretely saying, I wanna be able to have sex with more than one person. I think what they're saying is, I don't like the pressure I feel to be open and vulnerable with one person. And I'd like to be able to just go have a casual relationship with someone else so that I don't have this feeling of all my eggs being in one basket. I think so, that's really what they're talking about. So then again, it's it's really fear driven. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. If if I'm having sex with a lot of people, nobody can touch me because if if you hurt my feelings, I just go on to the next one.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I th- I think that marriage. Um, there are a lot of problems with marriage, but I think the function it serves and the way I talk to people about marriage, marriage is like is like locking the door. And some people's reaction to locking the door is, you know, like, I don't like being in a room with the door locked. On the other hand, you know, if, if we want to try to solve world peace, the way we would do that is we'd get everybody in a room and we'd lock the door. You know, we would, we would create a situation in which you're not leaving until we figure this out. And so there's a depth that comes. You know, when, when I do therapy groups, I don't say, oh, come when you want, don't come if you don't want. So I say, no, you have to be there every time. Cause if somebody starts something with you, they want to know you're going to be there next week. So yeah, that's commitment and that restricts your options. But then you get a depth of connection that I don't think you get
0: without locking the door. Hmm. You know, I, I was often afraid to make commitments to anything out, out, out of fear of being wrong about it and being, yeah. oh, I made a mistake and now it's forever. I think it's men and women, human beings are driven by yeah. fear more than we yeah. realize perhaps
1: well we're kind of hardwired for it you know we have the same nervous system that we had when we were on all fours in the in the savannah and so mostly we're wired to to scan for danger unfortunately there's not a lot of danger anymore and so our nervous system you know takes a long time to catch up with the new reality
0: yeah so we'll make some artificial danger and, and yeah. overemphasize things that aren't that big of a danger actually yeah
1: well whatever you're looking for you're going to find you know, and so if you walk around looking for danger,
0: you will find it. Do, do women and men see sexual issues or challenges the, the same way or? Are, like, are, no, no, um, no. I think it's like much in much
1: of heterosexual relationships. We're actually often working in cross purposes. I think women are mostly thinking about sex, not as an orgasm, but as a way to connect. Um, there's an old saying, and I'm probably going to butcher it but um, women women want to feel close before having sex and men want to have sex to feel close. Mm. And you can see how that might not always line up. Yeah. So one of the things I say to guys is, you know, it'll work a lot better if you think about foreplay as starting the minute you open your eyes in the morning. Everything you do from the minute you wake up to the minute you want to have sex
0: has everything to do with how it's going to go. Yeah, because I mean, I often hear from women that they just want a, a hand on the shoulder or a, yeah. a, a, a hug the waist as you walk by, and it's all those such minor things. But if most Absolutely. men are walking around just uptight and uh, they just focus on everything except their partner, or or think I only touch I only touch her when it's time to do it, uh, that 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 really takes intimacy out of the rest of the day. Well, look at the way men—you know—if you watch a sporting event or
1: whatever, look at the way men. It's it's very um, aggressive and bravado and slam on the back and you know jump up and and look at the way women touch each other, which is like gentle caressing and you know they're 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 feeling the
0: connection, they're they're touching to connect. One thing that has struck me as I've as I've traveled the world, um, how often I'll see young males, like like 20-year-old men, holding hands, walking around. And it, it's yes. not essential. It's just a comforting thing and, and is much more open, hugging and embracing in so many cultures yeah. once you leave the United States. Is, is it- I saw a great documentary once about U.S. vets
1: going back to Vietnam, vets going back to Vietnam. And this guy, a vet, went back and met a guy who they had faced each other in combat. And he tracked him down. He found him. And they had this amazing encounter with each other. And at the end of it, the American tried to hug the Vietnamese guy, which in their culture is like out of bounds and way off. But then as they're walking away, the Vietnamese
0: guy takes his hand and they're walking down the road. It's just different, different cultures. Is it possible for if, if, if a man realize I have low sexual desire, he's with a partner, he wants to stay with that partner. Is it get a men's group, get a counselor, you know, start that inner dialogue with, with someone else first? Is that the best Absolutely. step? Absolutely,
1: and then move to the point where you might actually begin to take the risk with your partner of talking with her about how anxious you are about sex mm. and how um, how much baggage comes for you with it and how worried you are about her not approving of you. and And you may talk enough about it where you start to talk more during sex. You may say, how's it going? Are you liking this? Is there anything you'd like me to do? You know, you might not just sit by yourself with your anxiety, but begin to learn how to talk with your partner.
0: Okay, so not you're not saying talk about anything. You're saying talk about what you're doing. No, yeah, not, yeah, What's yeah, what's for dinner, idiots, honey? Right. Yeah, yeah. Having sex. Okay.
1: You know, if if you were playing doubles tennis with your partner, you would talk about the game. You would say, "Oh, maybe why don't you move a little closer to the net, or well, let me take the backhand." I don't play tennis, so I don't know what the. But you would,
0: I think, if you wanted to get better, you would talk about. it. So I was, I was going to ask what you wish more men knew about sex, but is, is that it? Be willing to, to talk about it.
1: Yeah, what I wish men, more men knew about sex, what, one of the really surprising pieces of research is, you know, men have a bad rap for being completely self-centered lovers, that they're all about their own pleasure and they don't care about the woman at all. But actually, when surveyed, men say that the most important thing about sex is pleasing their partner. So I think those are two ends of the continuum and neither one is very satisfying. Sex works best when both partners have a commitment to their partner's pleasure and their own pleasure. And it doesn't go well if either person is only interested in either their own pleasure or their partner's pleasure. It is not fun to make love with somebody who's only interested in themselves and it's not fun to make love with somebody who's only interested in you. But if both people, and so what I would say to men is, it's just as important to be committed to your own pleasure as it is your partner's. It's okay. You're not being a jerk or a pig or a dick. It's a good thing. And your partner will like it if you are also paying attention to your own pleasure.
0: Right. Because the, the risk otherwise is uh, two people faking it and everyone just... Yeah pretending to just to get this this act over with get it out of the way yeah mm. yeah i so, think yeah, so, so. It goes it goes back to being yeah again it's it's a chore yeah like it seems everybody wishes for the intimacy but so few take that first risk to be intimate so things stay shut down you know and and the other thing that goes with that is is people put
1: a shockingly little amount of energy into their sexual relationships You know, like they like a lot of times people will say to me, well, I'm just tired. Like, well, when do you make love? Well, usually like 1130. I'm like, "I I can't even pronounce my name at 1130 at night. Like you're taking one of the things that you say is most important to you and you're waiting till you've done everything else in the day. And now this is
0: last. It might not go well. What's the solution to that for for some of the family for when there's children, because usually it's it's at night because you got to take care of the kids, get everyone to bed and then it's finally quiet and then mom and dad are exhausted. So the best what-
1: solution to that I've heard is the family who um, uh, this was reported to me by an adult, but it's an experience from his childhood that um, his parents every Sunday afternoon, probably after church, would say to the kids, OK, mommy and I are going to take a nap now. And unless the house is burning down, do not knock on the door, whatever you need. And so the kids, after a certain age, realized that every Sunday afternoon, their parents had sex and it was, um, it was very comforting to them. And it was very reassuring to know that their parents had a regular and enjoyable sexual relationship and that the kids could fend for themselves. And you didn't have to wait till they went to sleep. They could watch cartoons for a while.
0: Yeah. So that way you're you're making your relationship and your children's upbringing more resilient as well. Exactly exactly and you're
1: saying to kids this is not uh, an odd thing that's hidden in the dark yeah. behind closed Oh God there's someone at the door yeah. you know um I I uh, bet I knew someone once who was from Mongolia and in Mon- in Mongolia there's still people who live in yurts you know the big round well there's no walls <laughs> you
0: know. Oh, so it's it's not uh, uh, one couple per yurt. It's, no, it's entire no, no, family no, 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 I'm Sorry, okay. extended family groups, multi
1: generational. Gotcha.
0: There's no walls. Yeah. the blankets, but you know. So sex is something that's mm. part of everyone's lives. It's it's it, people have desires. It's hardwired into us. Yep. Yet it's still something mm. re- reluctant to talk about. Reluctant to have anyone know that you're doing it. Reluctant to have everyone see it. And it, 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 there's so many um veils of, of secrecy yes. and things on it in in judaism it is considered a special good deed
1: to have sex on the sabbath oh. got to like that <laughs> cool. but again it's the sabbath is a day of rest you put the concerns of work and all aside and then it's considered you know like a part of observing the sabbath to
0: make love is there anything else related to men's fears of sex or men's fears keeping them from sex that that we haven't hit on? No, I think the, the thing we've talked about that I would highlight for
1: people as a takeaway is um, the the person next to you in the bed is your friend, not your evaluator, not your criticizer, but your ally, and that you both want the same thing. And just think of her as a partner. Think of her as a partner in this. And um, this, you don't have to please anybody but her and yourself. And you, whatever you like is certainly fine.
0: Without talking about it, your assumptions about what's pleasing to them is, is you right. totally making guesses. Absolutely. Right. And, and I have to say,
1: <clears throat> I'm a therapist. And so I think I'm better at guessing than the average bear. And I am wrong all the time and so you know when my wife and i get into a conversation now i try to remember the simple trick of saying to her as the conversation starts well just a minute is is this a conversation in which you want me to help you figure something out and solve a problem or this is a conversation where you want me to listen and be supportive and i'm wrong most of the time but once i know then i can relax i'm not i'm not trying to discern and figure it out she just tells me, and it's so much easier, <laughs> right? But
0: it it takes that vulnerable risk for you to ask, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and coaching people, I often tell them, like, what you're most afraid of, like, see that as as the go sign, not the stop sign. Exactly. If if we're willing to take the action of what we feared, yeah, we find that fears quickly dissolve, <laughs> yep. and all the the years of 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 trauma and negativity and uh, performing in the circus can, can can fall away. You know the only thing I'll add to this and it's it's maybe a bit controversial,
1: but um I've been asking women recently an interesting question. I've been asking them, what did you learn from your mother about men? Not just with the words she told you, but through her behavior towards your father. What did you learn about men growing up? And sadly, the answer pretty uniformly is, I learned not to trust men, not to count on them, not to respect them, and certainly not to expect to feel close to them. So, you know, we hear men all the time talking about feeling criticized and and we kind of pathologize that. But what I'm learning more and more, they're, they're not wrong. They, they are picking up on something unconscious that is going on in the relationship. And so women have just as big a responsibility as men, men to do, as you say, to lean into the fear, but women also to look at the ways in which they lead with criticism and disdain
0: and accelerate that fear on, them, and then complain that their partner is withdrawing. Yeah, yeah. Or, so both parties are kind of continuing what they were learned, but it, they're continuing the worst aspects of what they were learning exactly. about relationships. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we've all got to be willing to, again to challenge what doesn't feel good <laughs> thanks too yep cool so Avram, what's what's the best way for people to learn more about you and stay in touch and find out about all the things you're up to if you go to my website which is
1: avramweissphd.com, uh you will find a mailing list there and you if you sign up for the mailing list you will get a free ebook i don't have t-shirts to give out i should get t-shirts <laughs> I wish I had T-shirts, that's pretty cool. But you'll, you'll get on the mailing list and I'll send you a free ebook about relationships. And then I usually write something every couple of weeks or so for Psychology Today, and you will get copies of that. And um, the other thing is, I it's a point of pride for me that I, I have responded to every email I've ever gotten professionally in my life. Hmm. And it may take me a little while But I really can't stand people who, you know, think they get too big for their britches and don't want to reply to their email. So maybe maybe I'll get to the point where I'll do that. But at least for now, I'm committed to. So if people if you have questions or thoughts
0: or things you want some input on, I will respond. And I just share that my original like note holding the place for this call today. It just said sex with Avram so maybe that's what your t-shirt should be that what's next okay <laughs> cool. we'll have to check with our wives first yeah again uh always a pleasure talking to you I enjoy uh, it. come back anytime and
1: i apologize for misattributing that quote but i hope what you heard in it was how much i liked it
0: yeah yeah
1: but now i remember who came up with that
0: really brilliant idea and <laughs> i will give it the proper attribution all right excellent so, thanks, Avram, for joining us again. Uh, thanks, first. everybody, for tuning in and listening. Wherever you're discovering Real Men Feel, please subscribe, follow, like, share with someone, post a review, a comment, uh, crank this up and have sex, you know, whatever works for you. Um, <laughs> always reach out to me at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. And I respond like Avram does too. Um, yeah. If you want to explore making next year your best year, I invite you to book a free clarity call with me. That's an actual live discussion, not a podcast. Don't be afraid. Uh, visit theandygrant.com slash talk for that. And until next time, be good to yourself. And if you have a partner, be good to them too. Yeah. And that can start by asking. Because it, come, it comes back around. <laughs> yeah. don't treat your, Don't treat each other like a circus. <laughs> Thanks, everyone.